Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to search the Scriptures with me as we continue to investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God. We've been suggesting that it's impossible to relate intelligently to Jesus, to make a relationship with him by understanding his mind, unless we grasp his principal phrase, the key term in all of his teachings, namely the kingdom of God. We begin at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and we read there that Jesus came into Galilee and urged people to believe in the gospel of the kingdom of God. He said that they should repent, that's to say, turn around and adopt a new lifestyle and a brand new way of thinking and believe, commit themselves to, give credence to the words of Jesus in his announcement about the kingdom of God. I've been pointing out that the term kingdom of God would have been well understood by Jesus' audiences. The kingdom of God was the national hope of the people of Israel based on the entirety of divine revelation in the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament. You know, we have the same books as Jesus had in our Old Testament. Jesus did not have the New Testament. That was written later. Of course, the New Testament is equally authoritative with the Old, but we should not forget that 77% of our Bible, which we rather regrettably call the Old Testament, and which really should be called Jesus' Bible or the Hebrew Bible, in that Hebrew Bible, page after page announced the kingdom of God coming. Now, it's true that the actual phrase kingdom of God is not common in the Hebrew Bible, but the idea of the kingdom of God as a world empire to be established by the Messiah on this earth, that idea is found woven into the text of the message of the prophets on page after page of the Old Testament. One of the most important passages of Scripture for getting a handle on this kingdom of God idea is the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 provide exactly the blueprint of the kingdom of God idea which we need for an intelligent reception of Jesus' gospel about the kingdom. When Jesus mentioned the kingdom of God as the heart and center of all of his teaching, he had in mind the kingdom as presented by the Hebrew prophets, and none of the prophets was as specific or as vivid and clear in his description of the kingdom as perhaps the book of Daniel. You'll remember that Daniel was that noble Jewish prophet who found himself in captivity in Babylon and who rose to a position of great responsibility in the Babylonian cabinet. He became, in fact, a confidant of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And when King Nebuchadnezzar had this extraordinary dream, recounted in chapter 2 of Daniel, and Daniel was able to interpret the dream, Daniel, in fact, gave us a blueprint of world history, an extraordinary revelation of what God is working out by way of his grand scheme and purpose on this earth. In Daniel 2, we have a vision of four beast-like kingdoms to be superseded by the fifth kingdom, which is called the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom which the God of heaven is going to set up, according to Daniel 2 and verse 44. The vision of Nebuchadnezzar, which Daniel interpreted for him in Daniel 2, gives us a marvelously simple pattern of the development of world history, a veritable theology of world history, out of which the New Testament works. Indeed, Jesus based his whole preaching, his whole gospel, on the concept of the kingdom of heaven, 
That's that fifth kingdom of the book of Daniel, chapter 2 and verse 44. Daniel, chapter 2, speaks of the replacement of beast-like governments by the government which is described as the kingdom from heaven, the kingdom of heaven, which the God of heaven will establish on the earth by using his agent, the Messiah, to initiate a sound government on this planet at Messiah's second coming. It's the kingdom of God under the whole heaven, according to the parallel passage in Daniel 7 and verse 27. And it's to Daniel 7 that we must also turn if we want to get a grasp on the idea of the kingdom of God, which was the center of Jesus' whole gospel message. In Daniel 7, we have an account of four beasts again. And then comes the fifth kingdom, and that's going to be the kingdom of God under the whole heaven, and it's going to rise on the ruins of the earlier four beast kingdoms. In Daniel chapter 7, the fourth kingdom and the last ruler to arise in that fourth kingdom is the subject of special attention. There's going to come a wicked, evil, anti-Christian ruler emerging from the fourth beast as the eleventh in a group of ten rulers. That eleventh ruler will wear out the saints for a period of three and a half years but at the end of that terrible time, the time in the New Testament known as the Great Tribulation, the God of heaven will set up his kingdom. And that kingdom is described in Daniel 7, verses 18, 22, and 27, as being a kingdom to be ruled by the saints, that's to say by God's people, drawn from all the ages, all those who have believed in God's great plan. And since the time of Jesus, all those who have believed in Jesus as the Messiah, the Christian people, in other words, are seen here as being the executives of a future world government on the earth. We might say that the entirety of the Bible is summarized like this. The Bible presents us with a promise of world peace when God's people are in power in God's place. It's the story of how God's people will be in charge of the government on the earth in God's place here on the earth renewed when Jesus returns. The invitation to the kingdom of God, which Jesus issued with his good news or gospel about the kingdom, is an invitation, in fact, to become an executive in the kingdom of God, which Jesus knew he was going to rule when he returned in power and glory. At present, Jesus is not ruling in the affairs of mankind. In fact, the Bible says it's the devil who is now deceiving the entire world. Revelation 12, verse 9, 1 John 5, 19 says that the devil is now the one calling the shots. The whole world lies in the power of the devil, according to the New Testament. But the New Testament everywhere strains forward towards the great denouement of God's purpose in history, and that will be the establishment of sound and sane government. The kingdom of God will be ruling on the earth. Jesus will be here as king of that kingdom, and to be a Christian is to be a saint appointed to rule. The purpose of Christianity is to be trained now through tribulation and testing and trial in order to become qualified and fit to take up a position of rulership with Jesus in that future kingdom. If any of that sounds fictitious or fantastic, it may simply be because you are not used to the world of ideas presented by the Bible. Churchgoers have become so used to the idea of heaven as the objective of the Christian faith and by heaven, apparently, is meant some region far removed from this earth which has nothing at all to do with the politics of governments on this planet. But Jesus' mind is quite different. 
If you share his spirit, you will rejoice in the prospect of sound and sane government coming to this earth. Thy kingdom come, he urged us to pray. Blessed are the meek, they're going to have the earth as their inheritance. Listen to the words of this distinguished Baptist Bible scholar in his book, Jesus and the Kingdom of God. He has this to say, Christians need to be reminded that the kingdom of heaven is fundamentally the kingdom of earth. While the majority of Christendom has been in the habit of thinking of heaven as the place for which the children of God are destined, Jesus makes the startling statement that the poor or the meek are going to possess the earth. Matthew 5 verse 5. And then the same scholar remarks that this idea of the earth being the future possession of the Christians agrees exactly with the message of the prophets in the Old Testament. I was reading there from the book Jesus and the Kingdom of God by G. R. Beasley Murray, and the quotation was from page 163. So significant is that quotation that I think it bears repetition. This Baptist Bible scholar says this, Christians need to be reminded that the kingdom of heaven is fundamentally the kingdom of earth. Did you understand correctly that the kingdom of heaven in the Bible means the kingdom coming on the earth from heaven, a divine government to be established on this earth? The scholar goes on to say that while the majority of Christendom has been in the habit of thinking of heaven as the place for which the children of God are destined, Jesus makes the startling statement that the poor are going to possess the earth. End of quotation. Do you see the implications of what the scholar says? Christendom, he says, has been in the habit of thinking of heaven. Are there not countless books? Are there not countless sermons delivered week by week in which heaven is said to be the destination of the dying? And yet, as the scholar points out, that's not the language of Jesus at all. By contrast with our tradition, our tradition, I may say, accepted uncritically and without proper examination in the Bible, in contrast to that, Jesus says the poor are going to possess the earth. And then our scholar points out that that's exactly what the Old Testament prophets had always said. And Jesus told us precisely that he did not come to destroy the message of the Old Testament prophets. No wonder then that he echoes that famous promise in Psalm 37:11 that the earth is going to be the possession of the faithful. To imagine that the kingdom of heaven means a kingdom in heaven removed from the earth is to be guilty of a considerable misunderstanding of the words of Jesus. The earth is going to be fitted for the scene of salvation and for the rule of the kingdom of God. Do you remember that the city of God comes down out of heaven to this earth? It's always to the earth that the great blessings of salvation are destined to come. I wonder if you remember that at the Last Supper where Jesus broke bread and shared the cup of wine with his disciples, he promised them that they would be rulers in the kingdom of God. Here are the words of Jesus in Luke 22, verses 28 to 30. You are the ones who have stood by me in my trials, and just as my Father has covenanted me a kingdom, I covenant with you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones to administer or to judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Did you notice the word covenant there? You may not find that in your translation, but examine a number of commentaries 
and they will probably tell you that the Greek word underlying the word give or grant is actually the word related to covenant. Many commentators point out that Jesus there makes a covenant with his disciples. But notice also that God had made a covenant with Jesus, just as my Father covenanted with me to give me a kingdom, so I covenant with you to give you a kingdom. What we see in this wonderful passage in Luke 22 is that Jesus is about to ratify that contract, that covenant with his disciples, by shedding blood, by dying for our sins on the cross. Jesus inaugurated that amazing covenant that God had made with him, the covenant of the kingdom. We see here that the kingdom of God is indeed the heart of everything that Jesus stood for, of everything that he taught. And that covenant of the kingdom is simply a renewal of the covenant of the land made to Abraham. And that great covenant, of course, you'll find in Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17. When Jesus uttered those words in Luke 22, verse 29, I appoint the kingdom to you by covenant, he recalls the ancient covenants made with Abraham and with David, the covenant of the land or the kingdom, the covenant of the throne, and those great covenants regarding the land and the kingdom, the throne of David restored in Israel, those covenants will come to final fulfillment only at the second coming of Jesus. The present time is the time for preparation for those great events as we look forward to the arrival of Jesus in power and glory. We have a book on the kingdom of God and also an article on the covenants made with Abraham. We'd like to send these to you for your private Bible study at home. Join us again for our continuing discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.